Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. In this week's episode, we are going to be reviewing the newly crowned Spiel des Jahres winner, Dorf Romantik. And then Natasha is going to be looking at a little small game called Skull, which I think she's talked about on the podcast a couple times, but she's going to give you a little bit more in-depth review. I unfortunately have not played it, so I will not be sharing my thoughts on it, but I will provide the commentary, as it were. <laughs> and then in the discussion topic, we're going to do Natasha's top 10 anticipated Gen Con games? Is it all games or is it just things you're anticipating at Gen Con? It's games. New games okay. that are coming out. New games. I assume your list has zero demos on it. Like these are the games you can actually purchase at the convention. You were right. That's exactly what I did. Filled <laughs> it out. Those demos. Not interested. Yeah. Get that I, out of here. I don't want those nothing are, to those do Those are that. future Natasha's interests, not current <laughs> Natasha. I got too many things in front of me. I got to narrow it down. That's a future you problem, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, so Gen Con, it's coming up. This is the week. So if you're listening to this on the day it releases, this is Gen Con week. Natasha and I are leaving Wednesday. We'll be heading down. Uh, we'll be there the entire convention. If you're there and you want to hang out, you want to play a game, it's not necessarily... I know, like, I think the JW Marriott has, like, a little section where you can go and play games and stuff. The board game library thing is a little wishy-washy. We will be at the board game library. Friday and Saturday night. Mm -hmm. So we'll be, we have tickets specifically for the board game library. That's where we'll be Friday and Saturday night. Otherwise, you can probably find me wandering the vendor hall, taking a look at Lorcana. Probably. I did offer, we, so we have some friends who are super excited about that. And one of them's going, the other one is not. So I offered to the one, I was like, hey, because he really wants to get a specific game. Uh -huh. And I was like, hey, man, I'll, you know, I'll sit in line for you. Like, no big deal. And he's like, no, don't worry about it. Like, I don't, you know, you, I, I don't want you to miss out on the things you want to get. And the thing is, like, I don't really like there are games that I want to see and check out. But as far as like must haves go and get, I don't know if I necessarily have that list. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then I was like, yeah, no, I mean, whatever. So then <laughs> so then uh, our other friends just like hey, are you going to do this? And I was just like, well, I offered it to, you know, I offered it to Ben and Ben's like, no, that's not it. And John's like, yes, no, I'd like, forget Ben. Like, <laughs> you know, I <laughs> get, need you to do this get for in me. Line. <laughs> we'll get, I'll get in line with you together so that I will have, um, we can get two of them. Right. I'm, and sure, then I'm sure they both want their own copy. Well, it's like, it's going to be boxes probably of booster packs, but it's, it's funny because I, I said, well, you know, you know, Ben de declined my offer and Ben responds, I didn't decline your offer. I was just trying to be nice. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'll do it. Like, I'll sit in line. I have no big deal. Like, you can come like, I'll just hold your spot. And to be fair, he's like, I don't know if that would be uh, people would appreciate having me like basically cut in to where you're at on the line while mm -hmm. they're trying to get this stuff. I think that's going to be one of those things that I think people are going to be a little mm. They're limiting purchasing too. Like you can only purchase so much of it. Which makes sense. I mean, they're probably only going to have so much of it on hand. So, yeah. ah, man, but that's the thing. Like, I wonder if it's going to be one of those things that sells out like super quick. Like day one, it's gone and nobody can get it for the rest of the convention. I know a lot mm -hmm. of times publishers will limit the amount of stock they sell per day, especially a, a particularly hot game. They'll say we have 20 copies for each day. Yeah. First, as soon as those twenty copies are gone, they're gone. We're not gonna, we're not gonna bust into this. We don't know. So I days. think we need to get in line Thursday morning. Man, that line. Honestly, I bet you anything that line forms before the vendor hall opens. You'll be in a line outside of the vendor hall already waiting yeah. to go to that specific thing. I guarantee you they have that. I know with uh, Paizo who does Pathfinder, Starfinder, and Pathfinder Second Edition. They were releasing some some content uh, a handful of years ago, and it was the exact same thing. It was so there was so much demand for it that when you got to the vendor hall, even it opens at what like ten, you got there at like nine, and there's already a line waiting to go into specifically that one. It just it's man, Gen Con's weird when it comes to some of those things. People, it's I like can power walk. I can walk fast because we got to figure out how to get to the booth. If it's Thursday morning, we won't even know how to get there. So well, just look at the map. We just got to look on the map. We'll know how to get there. We'll like, yeah. we'll, yeah, we just have easy. to get there super early and get by the door. 
I you almost power walk. You're gonna get you're gonna get knocked over. I'm all I almost didn't skip it. I almost skipped out on Thursday and and didn't come till Friday morning because um my softball team's so we had a championship game starting in the championship games and the first game was last week and whoever wins this game goes on to um next Thursday which is when I'm gonna be at Gen Con I'm like oh that's fine we're not gonna win we've lost we've won I think one game this whole season and so we're in the bottom of the division so we have to play um the second highest so since the highest one is gonna we have five five or seven in our division so there's an odd number so whoever wins this is later gonna play the the first the highest one isn't gonna play in the first level so anyways we're playing the highest team they last time we played against them they mercied us like i have like 20 to 4 something stupid maybe not quite that high but bad so I'm like, there's no chance we're gonna win we start this game and we're down the first inning ends we're down eight to zero we had no runs in the first inning they had eight and then the second inning we like stopped them we got three up, three down, or something like that. We ended up getting three outs without any runs. And then we started getting runs in, and we were starting to build up. Like, each inning, we were just getting a couple of runs, a couple of runs. And all of a sudden, we were, like, kind of neck and neck. And then the last inning, oh, and they had home team advantage, so we batted first. So we were up by 13 to 12. And the very last inning, they could bat. All they had to do was get a run. If they got a run, they would tie, and then we would have to bat again get more runs, and then hold them again. It would have been really hard. All they had to do was get a run. We had two outs, bases loaded, and a batter up, and it was a guy. And I don't know. It was There's so much pressure. It was so exciting. He ended up hitting it right to the pitcher, and um, we got the out at first, and we won the game. And I was, like, just so shocked. It didn't even hit, like, that we won. So, anyways, our next game is on Thursday, and I'm going to miss it. I'm so upset. And if we win, we're – um. We will play again at 8.30, so I'm going to be really bummed. if we. I want them to win, but I'll be bummed even more. Missing that, too. Is that like one of the biggest upsets in softball, like, in your league? Or, yeah, yeah is it I think history? so. I think <laughs> everyone's going to be shocked. You know, and this team is like, they're just aggressive, and they just beat us by so much. I just can't believe. We just had really good plays, and then we had some really good hits. We all can hit really well. We just never... It just never works out that we like all hit well in the same inning. Like we just are all kind of 50 50 on our, you know, hitting good and stuff. And I don't know. It was, and we were short of girls. So we had to play one less person in the outfield. We only had three instead of four. It was such a good game. And like the more I like think about it, like the more exciting it gets. Cause in the moment, you're just not paying attention. Yeah. You're wow. just trying to, yeah, you're just trying to win. That mm-hmm. it's, it's the Cinderella story, right? It's the, it's yeah. the miracle on the softball field. I know. Wouldn't it be so cool if we like won? Like, I'm like, there's no way we're going to win this game. And then we won. And I'm like, oh, man, we could win. So the next team we're playing against last summer, we won one game as well. And we beat this team. So it is possible for us to beat this team, this team that we're playing next. But then I think we'll play. I think then it will likely the highest league, the one that's number one in our division, they'll have won their next game. So then we would play them. And they are really strong hitters. The problem is they can hit if they can, they can all the guys in their team and a lot of the girls, the girls are really strong hitters. They can hit right past us out in the outfield. And the um, guys, if we go really far back, they hit like shallow balls, like line drives, you know, more infield. So we have to run up and get them. But if we move forward, they hit, they can hit way past us. So they're really good hitters, which sucks. But um, so we just have to get a ton of runs, which would be hard because, they can field well too, but I don't think we'll win the championship. But have you seen the movie Little Giants? I probably have as a kid. I recognize that. I remember Angels in the Outfield. Remember that one? I do remember Angels in the Outfield. But in Little Giants, it's like the big brother is coaching this football team, and then the little brother is uh, going against the team. And finally, like the the big speech is just like there was this one time against my brother or whatever, I won. So like. Their thing is like one time, like it could be all you could always you win just this one, one, time. To, to one time. There you go. Yeah, yeah. You should sell movie rights to your to your guys's thing. It's like uh, March Madness when like somebody like George Mason, which is like a 14 seed, gets into like the final four. You like, just need a good time. inning where like you're hitting, 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 and getting out home. Because if you have a good hit out, good hit out, you're not getting enough people home. You know, just want to go home. Just want to go. Yeah. <laughs> the Cinderella story. What's the name of your team? The Umpire Strikes Back. <laughs> That's not a name you came up with. 
I did. I well um, done. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was good. Most of the people on our team are nerds. Not all of us. There's, a, I mean, not all of them. There's a few non-nerds that were like, "All right, whatever." <laughs> That's that is awesome. I, I, well done. I appreciate that. That is, I was gonna make fun of your name if it was gonna be bad, but I can't. Like, I just can't make fun of that name. It's so good. <laughs> it's a good one. There's some good. There's some good uh, names in our league. Um, some of them aren't appropriate, but there's some good ones. Yeah, that uh, that's how that goes. Yeah. All right. Uh, Gen Con this week. If you are at Gen Con, you want to come hang out, let us know. Shoot us an email. Get a hold of us on Instagram, Facebook, that sort of thing. Let's get into some reviews, huh? So I want to talk about Dorfermontic, which is a cooperative tile laying game designed by Michael Palm and Lucas Zack, art by Paul Reeb, published by Pegasus Spiel. So in Dorfermontic, players will be working together to fulfill various orders of the population. They'll be doing this by drawing task tiles and trying to complete those task tiles by drawing and playing landscape tiles. To start the game, players will be drawing three task tiles. Each task tile will have a terrain represented on it, and you will randomly draw a task token, place it on that tile. So for example, I can draw a task tile that has a forest on it. I will randomly draw a forest task token, place it on that tile. These tokens will range between 4, 5, and 6, and in order to score that task token, you need to complete that task. So if I had that forest task and I had drawn a five task token, I would need to create a forest area that is five tiles large. Once you fulfill this objective, you score that task, and then the next player turn order would draw and place a new task tile, not a landscape tile. There is always going to be three task tiles on the board at a time. This is basically the game. Players will continue taking turns drawing landscape tiles and placing those tiles to try to fulfill the different tasks on the board. Once players have placed all the landscape tiles, they count up the points and they use those points to progress on a campaign sheet. The higher score you get, the further you progress on the sheet and you can unlock new content. This is the base game. This does, that is basically just straight out of the box how you play this particular game. The game tend, will tend to escalate as you unlock content and there's going to be like different scoring conditions and everything like that. In the beginning base game, there are also flags that if you enclose a flag area, you can score points. So I think what will make this game fun for people is progressing through and completing those different objectives that the game's going to give you. So you're you're constantly playing and you're all you're trying to do is score more points or score as many points as you possibly can. There's going to be certain objectives that you're going to get that are going to be point based, score a certain number of points doing this, uh, score a certain number of points doing that, which will continue to unlock content. And like I said, I think the fun of this game is truly going to be players unlocking that content yeah i can see that so i played this game once i got it out with my son and he's excited to to open up the boxes he's like well you know he wants to do that so we, we played the game and i feel like i need to play it again because i i don't know that i played it correctly it just doesn't quite feel right you know you just like am i scoring the 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 tiles correctly can i i can overlap them i just have some questions i need to read through the rule book again and play the first one again because it just feels not quite right yeah the rule book is not fantastic so i have played through the entire thing i have unlocked i unlocked all the content uh my wife and i played through it it took us 20 some games to get through everything and the rule book is interesting because the most of the questions that come up I feel like are tile placement and it's extremely open but then it's also very tight and what I mean by that is you'll grab a landscape tile and there could be three different kinds of landscapes on it so for the most part there's going to be five different landscapes there's forests cities farms then you have railroad tracks and you have streams and those th first three, the forests, the fields, and the cities, you can place them adjacent to anything. Like, you don't have to connect cities to cities and forests to forests. Like, it does not matter. You can place them however you want on the board. The main stipulation being the tracks and the streams need to connect to tracks and, tracks and streams. They can't break away from those. Well, they don't have to connect to other lakes and streams, but they can't, like, you can't dead-end a stream into Correct. a forest, yes. right? Right. So you could it have two be... streams going off in two different directions. Correct. Yes. That exactly. You can have you can have multiple streams, but they just can't you can't have like like you said, you can't have a stream dead end into a forest or whatever. It needs to connect to another stream tile, essentially. It's somewhat advantageous for you to have 
a long stream and a long uh, train track because you one of the things you score is the longest continuous river you have and longest continuous track you have. So you, you somewhat want to do that. That's such a small amount of scoring compared to all the scoring you get for your task tiles. That seems like yeah. the bulkier scoring. Yeah, eventually you get additional ways to score points, um, which I'm not going to spoil. I don't. Like you can probably look and see, but I'm not I don't necessarily want to spoil much for anyone who hasn't played it because you will unlock additional ways to score points as the game progresses and you progress through and you progress through. And the thing about this game is no matter what you score, you're going to be progressing. So you could score 10 points and you'll still progress on your campaign track, not nearly as well as if you scored like 300. Mm. You know, if you scored 300, you're going to you're going to progress through because it's basically like a bubble system for whatever system, whatever amount of points you score. Let's say you get three bubbles you can fill in. Well, you throw in, fill in those three bubbles and there's different routes you can take to unlock the different content. So that's cool. Um, this game won the spiel and I can see why it did. It is an extremely family friendly game. It, you know, all you're really trying to do is complete those tasks. You're drawing tiles. For the most part, it's pretty simple. Like, yes, the rule book gets a little confusing on completing tasks, I think is the biggest thing. So if I have a forest task tile that has uh, four on it, but it only has three tiles, and let's say I complete a completely different task, and I draw another task tile, and it has a forest on it, and I draw a task token, and it has a five, I can technically connect that to the forest of four. To make that a four now region, completing the task of four, then I can draw another task token or another task tile. And if it's a forest and it has a six, I can connect that to the task of five, completing the five. So you can do these little chains. It's not as like evident by reading the rule book that you can really do that. Like it's a little, I don't it know. It's confusing. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's so not can, worried great. You can you can add two current ones that are already built out. You can do. Duplicate. You don't have to have yep. original forest, so that makes it easier to complete these. Once they're big, though, then you cannot continue adding a task. Ta you, let's yep. say I have a, ta a forest of seven tiles, and I drew a sixth token task, and I yes. can't add it. It's, now it's too much. So now I have you to cannot the exceed one. the number. Correct. You have to hit the number exactly. Yep. So you want to make these little groups of four to six, basically, throughout the game. Yep. You want to. Your the ideal situation is. You start drawing task tiles and you can just add them to previously played tasks and just complete them and chain them together. That's mm -hmm. ultimately how you want to like try to get through this game. When I first played this game, we barely got through any task tiles like it was ridiculous. And at the end, like it got to the point where we had completed the entire task stack of tiles. Like we've gotten through them all. So you mm -hmm. can eventually like you'll figure out like all right, let's let's leave this field system here. It's three tiles big. Let's wait to complete some tasks to see if we can maybe just complete quick tasks on this particular, you know, field that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, I think the game's I, I think the game's fun that way. I like the openness of the terrain where you can really kind of put it anywhere as long as your roads and um roads and streams line up you know i think that's interesting it's got a few choices because they're they're six-sided hexagons yep so you know you've got a, quite a few different choices it's kind of fun to place the tiles out i like i like this light family weight game it, my son doesn't t uh typically like tile laying games this one's kind of open and not not terribly punishing or, or restrictive so i like that in in that sense yeah the biggest restriction again is those like stream and tracks but aside from that yeah i mean it's open you can put it wherever you want and because of that i think that for me makes it man this game ultimately i'm i'm not a fan i think the game's fine i understand why it won the spiel and i understand why people are going to love this game because it's again that whole video game-esque unlocking objectives and moving forward okay now I, we need to score this many points by doing this particular thing. Once we do that, we unlock more content and there's more things we're going to do. And that's like fun for people. My problem is there's zero tension in the game. It does not matter. Like in a cooperative game like Spirit Island, you're always on the edge of your seat. Like, are we going to lose because of this thing? Is the game going to cause us to lose because it's overwhelming us and we can't manage what the game is giving to us? pandemic's the same way like oh man are we going to draw that card are we going to get another outbreak is that going to chain into additional outbreaks and then are we going to lose because of that there's that little bit of tension of like the game could cause you to lose 
in this, there is none of that. You'll just play. You're going to play until you're done. And you don't lose. There's no way you lose. There's no losing. Yeah. You're just going to, you're just trying to score as many points as you possibly can. And that's all you're doing is trying to achieve the most amount of points. If you're looking for a game that's going to provide like tension, like, oh man, like we really need to draw this one thing. If we draw this one thing, like we'll win. No, the tension is, oh man, I really hope we draw this one task when that, because then we could complete like three tasks. Like that would be sweet. But aside from that, that's, that's the game. I understand and appreciate why this game won the spiel. It's going to be a lot of fun for a lot of people. I have I have some good friends who bought this game, and they love it. They're constantly telling me how much they love this game. It got to the point with me and my wife that I was just like, I kind of just want to be done. She's like, I do too. She goes, let's unlock the let's unlock everything, play one last time, and we'll pack it up. And I'm like, okay. So we finally unlocked everything. We played it one additional time to see what we could get with all the content. And then I packed it up and I gave it to you. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it isn't, it's not exciting to play for me. Yeah. And I'm going to be in the minority on that, I think. I agree. It's not exciting to play. And I agree with your analysis so far. I, but I, I do want to play like the whole campaign. I think my son will enjoy the the game enough to where because it i think unlocking the boxes is what's going to be the fun part for him right. for sure yep. you know because he's not a big fan of tiling game but i dislike it for a different reason than you so i don't mind that there's no lose condition that there's no tension um i like i like just flipping over tiles and, and making it and just trying to get the most points like that to me is fun what i dislike about it is that it's cooperative and we all have open information so essentially, I could play this game by myself. Yes. You know, there's no reason to play it with other people um, unless like there's not like there's like, oh, well, they'll think of this other thing that I wouldn't think of or they'll be doing this other task where I'm not doing it. Like, it's very much like you can just kind of be quiet and let the person play the tile wherever they want or you can offer opinions and work together or come up with different ideas. But there's not that many interesting. It's very obvious what to play. So it's it's not really... It doesn't need to be a. Co- it doesn't need to be something you play with other people. Yeah, it can definitely be played solo. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine playing it with six players. It goes up to six, which I don't understand why it can't go up to ten or fifteen or you one. I'll play one tile. Yeah. It and the thing is, it's interesting you bring up that whole like you can play it yourself that sort of thing. And have you had to manage people in your in your jobs? Like, have you no, had people I've directly? I've never been a manager. Mm-mm. Okay, so. It's it's funny you bring that up because I've always, having managed people for 15 years, one of the things that I noticed as I progressed through my career of managing people is in the beginning, like I thought I had the best ideas and these were going to be, this is how I want it done, right? I want it done my way. And, na- and like now when I approach things like this, I'm like, all right, this is the problem that we have. How are we going to solve it? And part of it is because one person is not necessarily always going to have the best idea. My ideas are not always going to be the best idea. Right. You don't see everything. Right. Right. Having that collaborative and having people think differently than you creates that like creates that ability to dynamically solve problems in a much more efficient way. Like I might not see this thing or in this person might. That's why I like cooperative games. And that's why I'm just like, you do your thing and then we'll just deal with whatever the consequences are. Because to them, that's the decision they think is the prime decision. Right. I mean, maybe, but I don't want to make a decision that's not good either. If you see something that's better than what I see, then tell well, me. Well, and that's the thing. And that's the thing. Sometimes I'm like, can I make a suggestion? Like these, these are the couple different options I see. You know that sort of thing. But yes, at the end of the day, you can play this completely solo. I don't think having six people is going to make this game more more or less fun. Probably less, because you're making less decisions. Probably and. Well, unless you're no, you're an alpha gamer and you're just like, hey, you you do these decisions like you, you know, like you need to put this tile there and you, that's the most optimal mm-hmm. spot. Me, I, I mean, I don't like when my wife and I play, she draws a tile. She'll be like, I'm going to place it here. What do you think? i be like, yeah, sure. You know, I, you know, you play. It's your turn. You take your turn the way you want to do. And then I'll just kind of take my turns, that sort of thing. Um, Yeah, this game. I wanted to love it. I really did cooperative tile laying game it was like an insta buy for me and it was reckon and it was nominated for the spiel at the time sign me up and i started playing it and i was like it just doesn't capture my attention because there's just no there's no tension in it there's none 
I think families are going to love this game, though. I think there's going to be a lot of people who really enjoy this game. I have, like I said, groups of friends who contact me, and they're just like, oh, my God, I love it. What do they love about it? Do they tell you what they love? They love uh, unlocking content. Oh, it's that yeah. legacy piece of, okay, if we score 250 points or more, we're going to be able to fill in three bubbles, which is going to unlock this other piece. So let's make sure we try to hit 250 points. Or you have a set of, you're going to eventually get objective cards that say you need, these are the things you need to do to, to flip this objective and get a new thing. Like you're going to, you could be focusing hard and hard and hard on that one thing and miss it three, four games in a row and then finally hit it. That feels satisfying that you finally uh, achieved it. You know, for me, it's going to be one of those things that like eventually I'm going to unlock it. I'm going to play it enough times that I'm going to unlock this piece of content. So like we just, we would play and we'd be like, all right, did we unlock anything? No. Okay. Next game, did we unlock anything? Yeah, we got these two things. Cool. But I think people are going to love the idea of opening those boxes. Like, you know, your son is completely interested in that. They yeah. He wants to flip open that box and get content and see what else he can unlock and other things he can do. So just the campaign me. sheets, I noticed there's a whole bunch of campaign sheets in there. So you can play this. You box it all back up and replay the whole campaign. Would that be fine for people no. who really like the game? Uh, or is it like a one and done thing? I don't know. It's It would be the equivalent of playing a video game, unlocking everything in the video game, achieving all the objectives, and then starting over and playing the video game again. If okay. people do that, then people will do that with this game. It's interesting because based on the number of plays we did with that, because they give you that score pad, based on the number of plays we did with the score pad and based on the number of campaign sheets, they do not align. <laughs> like, there's way more campaign sheets than there are scoring pad, like score sheets in the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I noticed. I was like, "There's a lot of campaign sheets." There, you know? there is, and like we double, we did the the scoring ones are double sided, so we like used both sides. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Ultimately, I'm giving this game a six, and I feel like that's a generous rating coming from me, partly because I know how much people love it, and I, I, my, my one of my good friends texts me. He's like, "Dude, we." We unlock this. We got this many amount of points. Like he's excited to play it, and him and his wife love it. And they typically don't play cooperative style games, so this gives them an opportunity to play some cooperative. So for that, I'm going to give it a six. I honestly, I was thinking a five, just because it doesn't it doesn't keep my attention. It doesn't provide that tension that I'm looking for in a game. Like, well, you'll never lose. You'll just score less points. But I think families will love it. Yeah, I I could see I could see that's what I would predict myself rating it. It was probably a six. I won't give it a six yet because I want I do want to play the whole thing, and I do kind of want to unlock all those boxes and see if it gets a little bit more interesting with the, you know, you know I I get excited about like earning the most points, so maybe I can make it exciting by like I can earn the most points. I'll see I'll see if there's a a game in there for me. Yeah, we'll have you check back with us so yeah. we can see what you think, but. Yeah, that is uh, Dorf Romantic. All right, next up I want to talk about Skull. This is um, designed by Hervé Marley. Uh, the art is by Rose Kepink and Thomas Luchez. Um, and it's published by a, quite a few different publishers. It used to be called uh, Skull and Roses. It's like an older game. The newer copy, the newer version is really nice. It's a party-style game with some bluffing. Uh, it's real quick. It plays in about you know, anywhere between five to 20 minutes, you have, everyone has four tiles. Three of them have flowers on the backs and one of them has a skull. And the whole point of the game is to flip over enough flowers to that you, you're going to bid on how many flowers you think you can flip over. That includes yours and everybody else's at the tables from tiles that they've placed down. You're going to bid on how many flowers you think you can flip over. If you flip over all flowers, you get a point. First to two points wins. But if you ever flip over a skull, then you end up having to remove one of your tiles from the game. So now you have three instead of four. You randomly remove one so you could have removed your skull. The way it's played is that everyone plays a tile down in front of them. And then you go around the table and you can add one more tile to it. Um, If it goes all the way around um, and nobody has started bidding, then everyone can add another tile. But as soon as the bidding starts, then nobody can add any more tiles. So once somebody bids, they bid, like maybe they'll usually start with one. I think I can flip over one tile, one flower tile. And then everyone goes around until everyone passes. And then whoever has the highest bid is going to then start flipping over tiles. The twist of the game 
is that you have to flip over your own first. So if you've played a skull in front of you and you flip over your tiles and one of them's a skull, you lose. If both of if they're flowers, if you want one or two or however many f- tiles you've played in front of you are all flowers, then you would then go around the table and you can choose anybody in front of you, whoever you think has flowers and not skulls. So I'd kind of go around and I think, okay, you re- you bid on something, so I think you probably have a flower because if you had a skull, you wouldn't have bid. You wouldn't have let yourself go up that high. So I would pick that person, flip over their tile. Hopefully they got a flower. If so, I continue until I've gotten, let's say I bid five. I need to look for five flowers. So what makes it fun is that you want to convince everybody else at the table that you have flowers. So you had a bid so that you trick them into thinking you have flowers so that you get them to flip over your tiles and then flip over a skull and they lose a tile. That's really the whole fun of the game is trying to convince everybody else that you've got a strong bid, that you're confident because you have you've played only flowers and get them to flip over your tiles. Or like if you did play your flowers, maybe be all wishy-washy about it so they don't choose you because you know yours are good and you don't want them to flip over yours, but you didn't want to dare place an extra bid because you couldn't figure out who else you you thought maybe everybody else had skulls or whatever. So the whole the whole point is to to survive long enough to get either two points or if everybody loses their tiles and they lose. And it's just a f- really fun social kind of party game. It's you know, you just everyone's trying to just win by getting two points, just doing it twice, that's all. And it kind of has a big moment at the end when somebody finally wins. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, this is one of those games that I haven't had a chance to play, but it it's always kind of intrigued me because of that bluffing. I I bid you know, two skulls or two flowers and you actually have two skulls in front of you or one skull in front that of you, skull, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that scene in Pirates of the Caribbean where it, um, what's his name is going against uh, Davy Jones for the key and they're playing liars dice or four fours. You are a liar. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Um, you've never seen it, I assume. No. There you go. Yep. Why do I even reference movies on this podcast? Those in the audience, you know what I'm talking about. So it it's one of those games that I really want to try and play, but I haven't had a chance to. It looks cool, though. It's it's all about trying to figure out, you know, when is the time that everyone's going to try to go for the point and play all their flowers, you know, and that's determining that because you, you can't play your flower out every, every time. You've got to put your skull out to try to stop people from winning, but you eventually have to put your flowers out if you're going to win and get points. Like the only way to get points is to put just flowers out and actually successfully score a point so it's just a total game of like it's all bluffing you know and it, it's just fun and it's quick uh, it goes up to six players you can actually play higher if you have two games you know it plays really good at higher player counts i i really like this game i rated it a nine um and i've been playing it lately again um we played it at game night we taught my son and he really liked it and so we played it a couple more times and it's just a fun it's a really fun filler game you know you can play it in between games it's a fun party game it goes up to six you could play it with more um, I really like it I highly recommend it if you like these bluffing games you know it's it, it doesn't actually require you to lie you're just saying that you bid six you know or bid five and and that's it and somebody thinks they can get um, more than you they, they bid higher than you if, if not then you then have to reveal flowers and hope that everyone put their flowers out instead of skull so it's it's a good one where you know people don't like bluffing games because they don't like to lie that's okay they don't have to lie it's not like a social deduction game you know it's but it it, i think it just works it works really well and it's a lot of fun yeah i definitely want to give this game a try all right that's skull check it out all right that's going to wrap up the games we are reviewing this week we're going to take a quick break but when we come back we are going to have natasha give us her top 10 anticipated games that you can buy at Gen Con. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Next up, we're going to talk about games that I'm looking forward to at Gen Con that I want to check out. So I did filter it by um, games that are available to buy, not demos. I'm not interested in, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with demoing a game, but I'd, I'd almost rather not unless it's ready to buy. And then, of course, I excluded everything that was on Bob's list. 
and then I excluded anything that I've already played. So these are ones that I'm really interested in checking out. Uh, one game that um, I'll go through a few that I've already played here. Um, you know, of course, Expeditions would be on my list, I've, but I've already played it. Um, and the the Exit Advent Calendar, I picked that up last week at the, our game store had it. And I bought it and Max and I have started uh, playing it already. <laughs> It's, a, it's an advent calendar. You're not supposed to play it until it's December. I know, I know. But here, hear me out. This is what Max told me. He's like, but mom, we haven't played last year's. So last year we played the year before's. Last, we haven't played last year's yet. So this year at Christmas we can play last year's. And then next year at Christmas we'll play next year. So we'll be on track. We're still good. I do recommend doing it at Christmas time. It is better because it is a Christmas theme. It's funner to do it every day. We've been doing like two or three every day. I'm kind of burnt out on um, escape room style games because we, him and I have done so many. I'm sick of them, but I really like the advent calendar because it's, they're small. Every day is like, it's a, a one to five minute puzzle. It's really quick. It's, it's simple. This one's marked as a beginner. I highly recommend it. So far, it's been really good. I really enjoyed the puzzles. I like it better than all of the exit games combined. I highly recommend the advent calendars. And you get a lot of puzzle out of it because you get like, uh, what is it, 25 puzzles. It's really good. So those are a couple of the games that um, I am interested in. There's a few in there that I have played already or I've already demoed. So I've, I think I've talked to you guys about all those. So I don't need to talk through those anymore. But There is one game in particular that when I was going through my list and making it, I saw the game and I was like, ooh, I bet you Natasha is going to want this game. So I'm curious <laughs> if it's going to be on there or not. There was, okay, so there was a lot of games on this list. I I went through and I filtered it out to just the ones that are, because there were so many, it was overwhelming. And then I'm going through this and I'm like, yep, interested in that, interested in that. Interest. I mean, I had, I could easy make a top 20. I had a lot of games that still fit this criteria of ones that I haven't played yet that I'm interested in. And I really had to narrow it down to just a top 10. So it very well could not be on my list, but I'm still interested. There's a couple of roll and rights that aren't even on this list that I'm interested in. I mean, I almost what I almost did for you instead of games is I almost did booths because there was a couple booths that I was like, ooh, I'm interested in all three of those games. Mm, interesting. I did start making a list of the booths that I want to check out because of that. So you're going to wander the vendor hall, huh? I am. Oh. I'm going to try to check out and demo as many of these as I can. There's a uh, yeah. There, the thing, there's just the funny thing is going through this list again, going through the Gen Con preview list. There's already more games on here than when I made my list. You know, yeah. it's already it's already jumped up with at least how many titles is there currently? Five hundred and fifty-two. Yeah, yeah they added Lorcana on there. That wasn't yeah. on there last week. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a, a bunch. Of, there's a lot, and there's a lot that I've played already too. Like, so these are just the ones that I haven't even played. All right, I'm excited to hear this list. Let's do this. What do you got? What's your number? All 10? right. My number 10 is called Fit to Print. So this game is by Flat Out Games, and I do love their games. So that's Calico, Cascadia, Vardant. Um, I just like that that weight and that style of game, and I really like the artwork and the themes. I think they're really cutesy, good, crunchy games that are like an hour long. Nice, nice like medium weight, you could say light games. This is the artwork is by Ian O'Toole, so it's super cute. It's got these cute little animals that are making a newspaper. And it it kind of seems like it's going to be a little galaxy trucker-ish because there's a real-time element where you're like grabbing these different newspaper clippings and then you're going to make your newspaper with what you've gathered, I think, in real time and then make them. Then it pauses and you make them. So it sounds to me similar to, you know, it's got that partial real-time element. Not sure exactly how it plays, but it looks super, super cute. I really like the artwork. Yeah, it looks cool making that newspaper or whatever because you got your board and you got your tiles that you're placing, you know, on the different things. And it looks like you have a pool in front of you, just like you said, Galaxy Trucker, where you might be like grabbing stuff to try to find headlines. Yeah, that looks cool. I'm excited to see if like I'm sure it's like a grid where you're making a grid and trying to complete these goals. And I'm all about that. And I just like their games a lot. That is my number 10 fit to print. My my number nine is a Devere game. And there was quite a few DeVere games that looked interesting. This one was my most interested one, and that is Three Ring Circus. Uh, I think the art is really, really cute. It looks really um, colorful, and I, I like it kind of has like an old-fashioned uh, circus look to it, which I like. Yep. 
Um, it's a, looks pretty big in like a, one of their beefier games. I like the theme. It's about circus, obviously. I don't know how it plays. It does have a little bit of area control, so I'm you know I'm cautious. But it just looks so pretty. Like it's something I just want to like touch and look at. Yeah, it looks cool. This is one of those games that was on the on my list, but didn't quite crack the top ten because it, yeah. it looked cool. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited about it. One of the cool things about this particular game too is like the bits, right? So like you have these uh, big top canvas style wooden tokens that look like your camp, your circus tents that you're placing out on the board. Like it just has a really cool aesthetic. Yes. You know, with just the colors and everything like that. It just, yeah, it looks really cool. It just looks like something you want to play with. Yeah. The art's really interesting in it. This looks fun. It's got some meat. It looks like it's got some meat to it, but also really pretty to look at. Yeah, I'm curious if there's how much um, area control in it because it does have area majority in it. So I'd be curious mm-hmm. to see how much of that is part of the game. Yeah, I mean, I've played area games of area control that I have enjoyed, so I won't rule out that I won't enjoy it. So I do have to bring up one thing, if that's okay. You said yep. games that you could buy there. This release date's August 18th. Do you think they're actually going to have copies? It, I, I filtered by for sale. So whoever made Got this it. list okay. on uh, BGG, then they would be wrong. But it's got to be it. close, right? It's not. It, okay, it's been, it's been produced at least. I think what ends up happening is you can get it at Gen Con, but then it doesn't release to game stores until August 18th or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And like, I'm more likely, I won't probably buy a whole lot at Gen Con. I'll most likely come home and buy it from my local game store anyways. Sure. Because I don't want to have to carry it home and, you know, we get a discount from the game store. So, yeah. Three Ring Circus. Looks cool. Yep. That's my number nine, Three Wing Circus. All right. Number eight is a game I think I've touched on before and maybe I top anticipated games. It's called Federation. I just really like the science fiction look to it. It, it definitely has a feel of like Star Wars, I think, where they're like a council and um, or Star Trek. I'm not sure exactly what they're mimicking. You know, one of those. <laughs> one of yeah, Star something. It's Some a game. sci-fi show or movie. <laughs> I just Who knows. Who I really knows? like I the the look of this. It's really really pretty. It's like purple. It's really colorful. It's, it's just everything I like in the looks of a board game. It looks like a heavy big Euro game. So I'm excited. I really ha- want to at least try this game. I don't know that I'll love it, but I have to at least try it because I I like I love sci-fi so much, and I just think this is really a gorgeous game. Yeah, I mean, it looks sweet. It looks super cool, and it's supposed to be pretty complex. Looking at the rating, three point six one. Yeah. So it's definitely not one of those lighter games. That's for sure. They had it at Dice Tower East, and I wanted to play it. I didn't get a chance, but I'll definitely. It might be hard to to get a decent idea of it by a demo and i don't know that i'll be able to play the whole game there but it's one of those games i'm gonna try to play this year at least yeah yeah i'm down i'm down looks cool sign me up i'm definitely attracted to like good looking games <laughs> that's you know it's 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 funny too because this one has area majority as well but it's uh it's one of those things that in the very beginning part of the podcast when we first started we would often mention, you know, who designed the game, who published the game, that sort of thing. And then uh, gradually we started including artists because of looks of games sell games. And there are games I'm interested in based solely on the fact that Ian O'Toole did the artwork or Ryan Lockett did the artwork or, you know, whoever. I mean, we did our top 10 favorite, you know, artists, that sort of thing. And it's it those types of things pushes games into I'm going to buy this or I'm not going to buy this. Yeah, for me it yeah. does. I, I want like that's what we talked about last week with with um Cass, um with Concordia. Like it's a very good game, but the artwork and the the design like makes it look Awful. boring. Awful, yeah. You know? I mean, I think this is Kickstarter like these types of games are going to make more money and so now they've just like raised the standard up. But why not? Why can't we have enjoyable looking games? That's the thing is it's it yes, like we are in the time where artwork matters more so than it used to. Like before, it was just all gameplay, but it, you cannot put out a game that doesn't look good. And I'm specifically talking to two publishers. I think when I say something like that, Rio Grande and Queen Games. 
Like yeah. their aesthetic or whatever isn't that great. And even take like Alea, their their stuff just doesn't look that great. I mean, I just got my Castles of Burgundy special edition in, and that just looks amazing compared to the other one. It is a little slightly annoying that I have to relearn what the buildings do. But aside from that, like it just come on, you gotta have good artwork, people. Anyway, this is your list, not mine. I should stop talking. All right. Now that we've talked about beautiful games, let's talk about the ugliest game on my list. My number seven, The Search for Lost Species. I don't know. Why do they make such an ugly cover? It's it's just these leaves and then you see this like really ugly looking animal in the middle of it. It's very bland. What is this animal? I don't even know. It's a lost species. Maybe it's not a real one. It's like a koala I think they made and, it a, up. and a kangaroo had a baby. There's even a little face like it looks like it's yeah, it looks like it's hugging the tree and there's like a little face that's underneath its arm. It's like it's choking somebody out, (laughs) giving it a sleeper hold and it's eating some leaves. This cover is weird. Even and the and the board looks really ugly. The whole thing looks really ugly. Um, But I do love the search for Planet X. I love these deduction style games. I've heard good things about this game and I'm super excited about it. Have you played the search for Planet X yet? No. I have not. This oh, does so not look great. It, it does, does look not... ugly. It looks worse than the search. The search for Planet X looked good. This looks ugly. It looks dull. It yeah. Yep. The search for yeah. I have no idea. No, I'm good. You go ahead and play this one without me. It's I'll be in the line. I'll be in some in line. Yeah. It's got some real um like real looking artwork. Like it's obviously they're like painted, but they look real. That's the problem is the aesthetic doesn't match. It's like it. That's what I was thinking. Thank you for bringing that up because it's like a terraforming Mars, right? So you have uh, this Pathfinder card I'm looking at. It's a, you know, it's a picture of a person. Looks cool, and then you have birds that just look like they're painted. But that picture of the person looks closer to a photograph than it does a like a painting. It's okay. It's way better than terraforming Mars. It's not near that bad, but yeah. it's not great. It's no. I mean, maybe they're like, I don't need to make it look good because people are going to buy our game because the search for Planet X was so good. And this one's even better. So, no, actually, you know what I think it is? I think somebody's just like, man, this artwork is kicking it. It's just so good. People are going <laughs> to love it. That's what I think. You think someone just has different taste? I mean, the cards yeah. aren't bad. Yeah. And then it's just got this really boring terrain on the board. Like it's those um classic terrain tiles like hexes, you know? but really boring looking. Yeah, you go ahead and hang out at this booth. I'm good. I'm definitely demoing this. I'm excited about this game. I can, yeah, I can tell. While you're doing this, I can, I'll take a look at the Ex Libris expansion. All right. That's my number seven, the search for lost species. Number six is another animal themed game. This is called Life of the Amazonia. Build your own thriving jungle by discovering various wild animals. So it's got this lovely tile, same kind of thing, hexes on a tile. This one looks like there's, um, it's got these really cute animal tokens, meeples in there with us. They look like they're screen printed. I don't know if they're all going to be that good or if they're going to have, if this is the deluxe version, I don't know. <laughs> but one negative is it has a, has a score track on a waterfall that's like built up kind of think like Everdale's tree. Like this is clearly not needed. Why did they make this into a waterfall? However, it, it looks a little bit Cascadia esque where you've got um, different animals that score differently um, and you're placing them out on this terrain and trying to score different ways. The meeples in it is what's, is what's going to sell this game, especially that dolphin that like you place it on its like snout <laughs> it, and its tail. <laughs> it so it's like over it's top of two tiles. Yes. Yeah. Super cute. And it's the cute. waterfall, it's man. Looking at this thing, I'm like, what is this? And it, yeah. It looks like it's three different tracks of some kind. Looks like it, you're keeping track of something because it looks like player pieces are on all tiers. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. It's not man. just a scoring track. Maybe it's functional. Ooh, it doesn't even look like, I bet you it's one of those things that like folds too. So you can't even like get rid of it, you know, because it looks like it's one of those folding pieces. Yeah. Mm. I'm still interested. Oh, it's got a cute little toucan. It's got all kinds of, but then it's got these stupid um, cardboard trees that you place out. I don't like that. The screen printed uh, 
Meeples are cool. Those, yeah, that's good. It's got nice little tokens and little token bids bins that you put them in. That's fine. I don't know. I I am really interested in this. It's just I just don't like that waterfall. But maybe yep. maybe it'll work. Oh my god! You don't did, need to did, be no, fancy no, no, no. about this. Did you see that? It looks like an expansion, but it has like so you have the waterfall and then you have uh, a rock terrain of some kind. Do you see this on here? No. There's another. Yeah, it's. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Yep, wild. Another one. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Gimmicky. So good. The um, it does look cool though. I try it out. I'd give it a go. Yeah. Unless you were it, like, man, it's just like Cascadia. Then I'm like, I'm out. I like Cascadia. This one looks a little, it doesn't look like the same style. Like you're not drafting the tile and animal together and yeah. building your own. This is like a center board, you you know, but these different animals are all going to score a little bit differently based on adjacency or where they are. It looks pretty complex too. That's the other thing. It, the weight on it. I mean, take that with a grain of salt on a game that hasn't been released yet, but I mean, that's still pretty high. 3.2. That's... Yeah, it definitely looks more complex than Cascadia. I think yeah, this, for sure. Maybe this will be one that you enjoy. I definitely like, I think it's really pretty looking. The, the art and everything is really pretty. I like the animals. I don't like the box cover, but. Yeah, the box cover is not great. You're right about that. What it's you going to do? It's pretty, but it's not that interesting. Okay, that is my number six, Life of the Amazonia. All right, my number five. Um, uh, Wild Tiled West. <laughs> did you see this game? Yes, I did. Yep. It looks so cute. It It's a tile laying game. If you yeah. haven't figured that out. Yeah. And it's got this super cute animal, um, animal people artwork, which I love. I love animal formorphic art. I don't know why people dislike it. I, I like it. I think that's, I just, I don't like super realistic people and artwork i like my people to be super cartoony and why not make them animals i think that's even better <laughs> fair fair this i mean it looks like uh you know a, py- a polyamino game cat yep. isle of cats um planet unknown that style of game with a different different mechanic of drafting the tiles it's got super cute artwork you know wild wild west is cute um i'm, I'm all in for this one this looks really cute got some cards i don't know what they do i have no idea but it looks cool uh this was on my short list as well this would this probably would have made top 20 for me it it looks cool plus my favorite thing the tagline that it says on it build mine tussle wrangle like come on (laughs) yes oh that's dire wolf i'm definitely gonna check that one out yeah it looks cool like i said it was on my it was on my short list it didn't quite crack the top 10 but yeah it looks like a, it looks like a cool game yeah i don't think i've played a polyamino game that i've disliked so i'm sure i'll like this one definitely looks like right up my alleyway that is my number five wild tiled west and i just love that name i mean you can't go wrong wild yeah. tiled west. i mean they're they're just they're hitting on all cylinders when it comes to marking wild tiled west build man tussle wrangle how do you tussle <laughs> yes. in this game how do you With- tussle in a polyamino game it's <laughs> gonna be some serious interaction here yeah all right. <laughs> uh, that's what i want to know explain to me how that works <laughs> whoever gets the, grabs the towel first i don't know yeah. all right nine number four is kind of the opposite this is uh after us it's what it's called it's a it's a game about different um apes so humans are no longer on the planet and now it's the apes and they're all trying to recolonize the planet but really it's just a card game um, it's got Vincent Dutre artwork, so it's it's absolutely gorgeous. You basically take these cards that you have in front of you and you place them adjacent to each other to unlock special abilities. So you can you can kind of move your cards around to to make different patterns to um to basically to do the things that you want to do. Um, and then you just earn more cards and and try to get the most points. That's it. Um, the complaint that I heard about it is that there's literally zero interaction with other people but like that is not a downside to me i don't have any problem playing games with other people where there's no interaction because like then nobody messes with my stuff and with my plan um so i'm really excited about this this is a game that they also had at dice tower east that i didn't get a chance to play that i really wanted to play um i like the artwork i like i totally like card playing i like you know trying to puzzle out what's my best thing you know there's different paths to victory and right up my alley the artwork is what draws me in. It kind of like it resembles the, you know, the Planet of the Apes movies 
a little bit. This is a booth I'm definitely checking out. All right. That is my number four after us. All right. My number three. Here it is. It's a cooperative game. Can you believe it? No. No way. What is it? It Race to the Raft. So it's a sequel to Isle of Cats, which I love Isle of Cats. And it is a cooperative game. However, there's limited information. So you don't always know other people's information they have. And it's tile placement, which I love. It's very puzzly. I've heard it's even more puzzly than Isle of Cats. So I'm super excited about that. I'm really, I'm really excited about this game. Yeah, I saw this and I just didn't know what to think. It, um, I like Isle of Cats a lot more than I thought it would be. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a cat person. I'm a dog person. The cat theme, whatever. I don't necessarily care. I enjoy the drafting and the polyomino piece of Isle of Cats the most. So does this have drafting in it? Is this a drafting game as well? I don't think so. I think it's grid. a totally different style of game. Oh, push your luck. Uh-oh. Yeah, I mean, it looks cool. It does look busy. Some of these it pictures does. looks kind of, ooh, looks pretty busy. So what are you trying to accomplish? I'd take a look at it. I'd look at it. You're trying you know? to get your cats off the island before the fire spreads. So these are all the cats that I guess you didn't get, you didn't rescue the first time around. Or they're the ones we're going get... to rescue the when they get to the boat. This is a prequel yeah. to no, Isle I think Cats. this is a this is a sequel. So we've already rescued a ton of cats off the island, but we didn't get them all. Bum and deal. now they're, it's on fire, and they need to all get off and get onto these rafts. I just assumed all cats like loved fire because they're from, aren't they like the devil's creature? <laughs> no. <laughs> cats are lovely. Then, yeah, sure. I used to not be a cat person, but we just got a cat. The only reason we agreed to get this cat was because our dog had died, and we were all so sad, and we were like, we're not going to do another dog. This was too painful. Like Now we're gone all the time. So my kids put together a PowerPoint presentation about why we should get a cat, promise they'd take care of this cat, they'd do all this work. And so I, my daughter's responsible. She's had a hamster, which she's taken really good care of before. So I was like, okay, we'll get a cat. We've gotten a cat. They do take really good care of it. Um, and I thought that'll be fine because I don't like cats. I won't care when it dies in like, you know, 15 years. It'll be fine. I won't care. And now our whole family loves the stinking cat. We've fallen in love with this cat. I love having a cat in the house. I love it so much. They're way easier than dogs. It, it's, there's no accidents happening in the house there's no training it's just you just get a cat and you just enjoy having a cat and i don't have to change the litter box because my kids do yeah you lost me i try to enjoy a cat that's to be fair to be fair i am allergic to cats so because of that they're dander or whatever cats. <laughs> i do not enjoy cats so that that could be part of the reason I, people love their cats well she's so cuddly and and she just loves people like she comes running the door every time we come home and yeah it's i mean she's just as enjoyable as having a dog but way less work i have i have turned the tables i am now a cat person all right my cat person i don't like other people's cats i still yeah. <laughs> let's not let's, really an animal uh, yeah, person uh, yeah i'm not you're not an animal person at all are you no um, my number three, Race to the Raft, Save the Cats. It looks really good. I'm excited. All right. Number two is another Pandasaurus game. This is the Fox Experiment. So you might have heard of Elizabeth yep. Hargrave. She designed Wingspan. And now this is her newest game called the Fox Experiment. And I am really excited about it. It's about breeding foxes. It's dice. And you're putting two foxes together to make a baby fox and trying to, I don't know what you're trying to do, get points. I don't know. I'm in. I'm I'm really interested in this game. She did a really good job. Wingspan, I mean, just completely like blew up and people loved it. And then Mariposas came out and people were just like, uh, this isn't as good. It was a it's a solid game. Yeah. With great with a great science um backing to it. Uh, yeah, agreed. And she does a really good job incorporating the two. The problem is the popularity of Wingspan, I think like kind of turned people away from something like Mariposas, which I thought was still a pretty decent game. So I was, I remember seeing this at kick on Kickstarter and I was interested because I, I like what she does with her game design. This looks really cool. Cause you're trying to get all these traits together. You're trying to make dogs with certain traits and, and it, it just looks really interesting and unique. Not like anything else I've seen before. Yeah, it'll be, I, it, I wonder the only other thing that might be close in terms of like doing that, 
is the like cross pollination stuff in the genotype when you're yeah. doing the Punnett squares of like, but yeah, that game, that game looks cool. I'd like to try it out too. Yeah. That's my number two, the Fox experiment. All right. My number one, this was not on my list at first because I thought it was an expansion, but it's not. It's a standalone game and it's called Sagrada Artisans. I like Sagrada a lot, but I'm really not into expansion. So I wasn't really interested in picking this up. But then when I saw it's actually a legacy game and Hmm. it's a a booklet that you work through this little booklet and um, unlock various new tools and gain abilities. It's like, I shouldn't say legacy. It's a campaign. Uh, That's all I know. But I really like Sagrada and campaigns are a lot of fun. And I think I could play this with my kids. Yeah, that looks interesting. Uh, Sagrada was, Sagrada is good. I like the dice drafting portion of things and that little puzzle that you get. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this looks cool. It's got colored pencils. This is like a fun little activity. This hmm. might be one that I actually pick up at the con. You would buy that's this how, at the con. Yeah, that's how excited I am about this one. Interesting. Okay. Oh, it does say a legacy game. A legacy game of dice drafting and window coloring. And then in the description, it says through the campaign. But to be fair, though, I mean, you're coloring it in, so it has to be somewhat legacy, right? It's yeah, like you can, yeah. Like it's not like you can go back and replay it. But he's got this little booklet. Yeah, that look. Yeah, it looks cool. I'd check this out. I don't know if it's necessarily anything I would want to buy, but it definitely, yeah, looks cool. All right, some other ones that did not make my list. My island. I haven't played my city, but I think Max and I would really enjoy that. They're like a legacy game or a campaign style game with polyominoes. It's supposed to be like a family weight one. And I need to pick up either my city or my island. I don't know which one's any better, but I'll definitely pick up one of those to play with Max. And then um, All Play has a new game called Couture about fashion. And it's uh, an auction style game, which is not my favorite. However, I really like a lot of All Play's games. I love um, QE is an auction game that I really like. Um, I just like their smaller box games. They're They're just, they have a lot of punch to them in a small box and they're just enjoyable to play they've all they're all produced really well they've got nice simple artwork i like almost all their games i like it so i'm excited about that one too which one did you think i would be picking i knew the fox and the the fox experiment was on there but the one i thought that would be on your list would be number drop oh yeah that rolling right yeah mm-hmm. when i saw this i was like "Ooh, this looks like a natasha game for sure Yep. Um, just because again, it's a roll and write, but you're it's almost like Tetris style with all the different dice and everything. It has a pretty cool aesthetic to it. So if any of them I thought of a roll and write, I thought that one would be on your list. But there's two other Pandasaurus games I'm interested in. Sea Salt and Paper. I haven't played that yet. Um, that's a little card game I'm, I want to play. Another one called Emerge that looks really pretty. It's got really beautiful artwork. I don't even know what it's about. It just looks really pretty. Man, I'm gonna spend so much time in this vendor hall. Just looking at all there's this stuff. There's a lot of really good games that are coming out. And there's a lot that I could have made, easily made another top 10 list. I want to play Thunder Road Vendetta. You played that. That I want to play. Well, one of our friends is going to uh, pick it up. That's like his number one want is he wants to pick it up and play it. So, But he wants the glorious Maximus Mega Edition box thing. So I think that's his first go-to. And then he's going to join me at the Lorcana booth. <laughs> all he's got to do is pass me some cash i'll buy buy whatever he needs ahua rulers of yucatan that's a grand gamers guild game that area majority ancient city building game that looks interesting there's so check games edition and i saw this game at origins and i was thinking about demoing it but the box just doesn't do it for me which is um Kutnahora, the city of silver. Like it's a oh, checks yeah. game. Yeah, it's a checks game. So I have a, I feel pretty good that it's probably going to be a game I like. Yep. The downfall is the box cover looks awful. It's just yes. a silver coin. Like it's so ugly looking. You could do better than that. I feel like, but I mean, other than that, like all the different things going on with it, like the artwork in the game looks cool. I just. I want to try the game. It's just the box art is just too distracting for me to want to like get it, but it's a game I want to check out for sure. Mm-hmm. I'd like to try Inside Job. That's a 
trick-taking game, a cooperative trick-taking game with a trader, which I'm interested in. Cause I I'm love surprised you haven't games. bought that one yet. Like, come on. I know. Well, they say it's more social deduction than it is trick-taking, and I'm like, oh, but I love trick-taking. But I, yeah. I definitely want to at least try it. Um, I want to see if they have any copies of Trailblazers there, because the store still doesn't have any, and I want that game. I love it. Yeah, I heard it's coming out later on this year that stores are going to get their hands on it soon-ish. So, but yeah. I can wait. Oh, Next Station Tokyo. I didn't put that on my list because I've already played Next Station London, but I'm curious to know if they're doing anything differently with that one. Well, the map's going to be different, right? So the map's going to feel slightly different? Yeah, which I don't think the map was like that interesting. I don't know how like different they can make it. And I don't know. I'm I'm curious if they've got a few different like tweaks to the rules and stuff sure yeah besides just a different map i don't know i'm excited i'm getting excited and i'm glad i do have enough players in my softball team to play with they can play without me so i'm leaving them behind for the championship really sad about that but at least it'll be worth it i think i'm i think it'll be worth it (laughs) i've already been warned that you're going to be complaining about it and i'm sure you're gonna be checking your phone every two minutes to see what the score is Yes, but like I can't afford to miss a whole day of Gen Con because I've got so much to do there. You know, there's just so much. I'm excited actually just to see all these new games. You know, I'm I'm not real big into like always checking out the new stuff, but I'm not big into buying all the new stuff, but I definitely want to try to check it out at least. All right. That's what I'm excited about Gen Con and the games I'm interested in checking out. Please, if you see us there, um, say hi to us. Um, and definitely reach out if you want to hang out, we'd be happy to, um, hang out and spend some time. Even if we're just hanging out shopping together, that that's fine. Or we can go to dinner together. That'd be a lot of fun. Join us next week. Um, please help us out by giving us a review and liking us on Instagram or Facebook and send us any comments or questions. Let us know if you're going to Gen Con to board game shenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks everyone. See you next week.